Imran Khan, Swan Energy. Thank you for joining the program here today. The crude life, and boy, it has been a very wild, wacky week from, you know, coming off last week, the Chevron Noble buyouts and, and the layoffs happening. And then this week, I saw Shell posted $13, 12000000000 billion loss. So we'll get into a few things. Uh, the heiress from Disney is coming out and giving an ominous warning about layoffs this fall. But I want to talk about right now what's going on. And as we are recording this, the $600 a week is running out. And quite honestly, there's a lot of people in the oil and gas industry that's good, that's going to impact from the truckers to the 1099 workers. You know, I remember uh, when there was an incident in North Dakota in the Bakken and Oasis got all the bad publicity and all this other stuff. Well, it turns out that really there wasn't anybody employed by Oasis. It was all 1099 employees actually at the well site. And so it really shown showed a spotlight, if you will, on the amount of independent contractors, sole proprietors, and small businesses that exist in the supply chain of the oil and gas world. And a lot of that has to do with family values. A lot of that has to do with freedom and flexibility of time, some of those libertarian roots that we all have within ourselves. But at the end of the day, uh, the $600 a week uh, unemployment benefit is going away. Now, they may renew it after August 1st, but as of right now, it's going away. And last week, uh, Imran, one of your colleagues, Jeremy Pate, he talked about this 401k rollover program that you guys opened up to outside employees at Swan Energy. You've done it for your employees, and you've had some other people that have been outside of the, the company do it as well. But it sounds to me like it, I call it a well-sharing program, and that's probably not even close to a legal name that's allowed. But it's it's where people can, I guess, invest in a well, and there's even some payments that happen. And uh, the more I thought about it this week, the more I thought, you know, this could be a solution to some people who are expecting, you know, a $600 a week check from the government. Now, I'm not saying what you guys are offering is $600 a week, but it does sound like this could be at least an option for some people out there who are looking for some sort of uh, non-traditional revenue or new revenue. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that program. Yeah, thank you, Jason. Definitely a, a good program that uh, we've got with uh, a lot of our investors. Um, you know, so, so just kind of give you a little bit of a background um, Swan Energy has been doing uh, different joint ventures, probably about uh, 60 or 70 of them at this point, and, um, you know, probably managed close to 3,000 some wells. Um, and we give you the opportunity to be able to invest in a group of wells and just basically own a percentage of them. Um, it's, it's just an easier way to be able to get um, an advantage from where we're at within the oil and gas market. Uh, if you've got 401k or other type of money that is available uh, right now, there's lots of opportunity to be able to take some of that out in cash to be able to, uh, to, to be able to live off of. And also, you know, there's opportunity just to kind of roll over the 401ks too. Um, in a lot of our programs, you know, you can, you can be able to take a look at uh, different wells that are performing um, very well uh, within the times right now. And, you know, honestly, you can lose money in anything you do, uh, but really the bottom line is the consistency right now of where the oil price is at. So we're buying at the bottom, 
And reality wise, you know, if you, if you recall 2016, 2015 time, there were a lot of dips. If you bought at the top and the oil fell, it was a tough time for everyone. Uh, but right now, because of the fact that we are so low and, you know, the market has had so much volatility around oil and gas, we've been able to get pricing that is a lot more effective. And we're buying at a, at, at a, at a point where you can definitely be able to uh, use this from an income perspective. So, you know, if you're not having income, you can be able to look at this as a way to be able to obtain, um, you know, some, some new wells that are probably already being drilled and, you know, get production out of them and, and get paid off of it. Well, I know when this happened back in the real estate, uh, 2008, nine, when the real estate market kind of crashed or uh, crashed, I suppose that's, that's the right word. Um, yeah. I mean, with that many bankruptcies, I guess that would be a crash. There was a lot of uh, people doing this sort of, they called it a real estate exchange or a trust, uh, in, in Riet. And it was, you know, people going together, buying shopping malls and, and buying hotels and a number of different things. And same kind of concept. It, it Those that kind of it's bought exactly in when the, when the prices were down did really well. Well, you know, uh, uh, a friend of mine once said that, uh, in a good market, you may find a good deal, uh, but in a bad market, it's hard to find a bad deal. Uh, and, and it's just because of what you just said, right? Real estate investors, um, like oil and gas investors, you, you buy at the low times and, and you ride it up. And if you're buying at the low times, even if you do pay more and, you know, in, in our situations, we make sure we get the best deals. And, you know, we've been buying out folks that, you know, in our a lot of our oil deals that have been going bankrupt or, or, or going away just because it gives us a, an opportunity to be able to double down in a sense at a really low price. Uh, but it's the same thing, right? I mean, it's just basically real estate. You're buying a house or you're buying a building or something to that effect. In our cases, you know, we acquire land and then they're they're building oil wells on top of it. So it's it's you know, in a sense, if you have one, it's kind of like having. Uh, a rental property. If you've got like 10, it's kind of like having a midplex. If you've got like a set of hundred wells that you're, that you're invested in, it's, it's kind of like being part of a, a multifamily deal. Uh, and, and the returns aspect of our deals, in my opinion, are, are more upfront, uh, especially with some of the different tax benefits that the government allows. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about just outside the box a little bit of just some of those Oh, we, we call them oil companies, right? And, of course, you think of Exxon, you think of Chevron, you think of Shell, BP, if you will. A lot of people don't think of, like, a DuPont and, and that as an, as an oil company, you know, more petrochemical. But I started thinking of 3M and Honeywell and, you know, Carbon X, even, you know, Mold X. These are companies that are primarily plastics and petrochemicals, if you will. But my guess is they're going to have a really good year with all the PPE stuff coming in and all the sanitation and, and, and that whole industry that is the new norm. It's the new norm, man. And not only is it the new norm, it's probably the next big thing when, when you're talking about oil and gas investments. Have you been paying attention to that side of the whole oil and gas sector? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I think that's a, the whole natural gas to plastics is such a big area that um, so many big companies are, are are either invested in or investing in right now uh, that 
you know, it's not even funny. Um, and, and, and really, it makes sense, right? I mean, you look at a guy like uh, Elon Musk that, you know, is so big with Tesla. You know, I, I honestly never hear him talking bad about his com- competition from a standpoint of regular combustion engine vehicles and things. And, you know, I personally firmly believe that a lot of that is respect for the other companies that are that are out there, but also the fact that so much of his product product that is put into his vehicles is, is from an oil and gas original uh, uh, form, right? So I think that's really a, a big part that's going to be getting bigger and bigger. And, and as you pointed out with the PPE and the different gear that are being used for a lot of this COVID and a lot of the different things that are going on right now, um, it's just going to be growing. Um, you know, it seems that, you know, the other day, uh, you know, one of my friends was showing me a designer mask and I was just like, wow, you know, I'm surprised that people are actually spending money on these types of things, but because of the requirements that are out there, um, you know, they kind of have to. Looking at some of the headlines right now, as we're doing this Chevron shares fall, After oil giant reports an $8.3 billion loss for the second quarter, teased earlier that, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Was it Shell, I believe, came out with, it was uh, 13, Shell, 18, 18 billion, that's what they they, they reported. And so, you know, and then I said the Disney heiress mentioned yesterday, I saw my Yahoo homepage, you know, layoffs coming this fall, she's very ominous about it. Uh, you know, I look at the oil and gas sector as the as the, as the tea leaf reader, man, because the, the energy is the economy. When I start to see these big oil companies have layoffs, I, it reminds me of the downturn that we've been through the last couple times. Where when the big guys have it, it, it ripples through. Uh, you guys are pretty well diversified. Um, Talk to me about that a little bit, about are you guys seeing certain areas getting impacted yet? Because, you know, all, all the leaders in the marketplace seem to be saying, you know, ripples are going to come through. So, you know, be quick and nimble here. And you guys are pretty diversified, so we thought I'd check in to see if you guys are seeing yeah. any of those same tea leaves that I'm seeing. Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, I just kind of hit on that earlier, but kind of to your point about the the larger companies Chevron and, and Shell and these guys that are uh, where they're at with, with respect to a lot of folks that are getting unemployed. Um, you know, usually this whole trend starts out at one point and, you know, there there's a six to nine month more or less process, right? I mean, if you think of a giant like Chevron, uh, for them to be able to move and for them to be able to change things, it takes quite a bit of time to be able to process that. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing, right? I think the effects have kind of happened earlier this year. And, you know, it, it really is one of those situations where this is the right time to get rid of some of the fat, right? Um, you know, I, I hate to put it this way, but a lot of times these companies, you know, they've got so much different liabilities out there and the number of people that work for them, um, you know, a lot of times those things don't come up very often and you just keep on doing business as, as regularly practiced. But during these times, you know, this is a time where they can kind of take advantage of getting rid of that fat, you know, people who suck and they're not doing what they need to do. Uh, they need to be out of there anyways. I think in general though, these companies are definitely doing what they can to keep the good folks that are working for them employed. Um, and, and, and getting back to our diversification, um, you know, we've got, 
we've got obviously all of our oil and gas practice, uh, but we also do um, a gold mine that, that we have up in Oregon. Um, you know, we do trucking uh, up in Oklahoma. So we have a lot of these different businesses that really helps us to be diversified. Um, and, and in times like these, diversification is really, really great. Uh, it really helps you to kind of survive. And, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, if you own one subway, you really can't make it. But if you own 15, maybe five of them do great and 10 of them just break even. But those five carry the other 10 of them in during bad times. So I think from that standpoint, you know, we're definitely here. We're, we're sustained and we're, we're definitely looking forward to take advantage, uh, as I was saying earlier, of deals that are not happening um, that, you know, people are either uh, going bust or, you know, bankrupt, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, we're, we're looking for those deals to be able to take advantage of for our investors. What I think is really fascinating about this whole, I guess, change and, and just kind of uh, transition that's going on in oil and gas is before the pandemic, it's, it's no secret that there was a change happening already, you know, whether it be from Whiting or Baker Hughes, you know, there were signs that things were happening, things were changing, the paradigm shift was really taking hold. And quite honestly, the biggest part of this that nobody's talking about is the ushering in a big data. You know, when you take a look at something as simple as doing a background check on your workers, I mean, imagine those guys going from Alaska down to Wyoming, then over to, you know, Ohio, then down to Texas. Back in the 70s, good luck on a background check. That ain't happening. Nowadays, <laughs> the HR can do it in a second. That, that's an example of the exponential time that's saved through big data. Now you bring that to the well site. I mean, the whole idea behind the shale play, like in North Dakota anyway, they know where the oil is. So it's all a price play. It's all, it's all, you know, 50 bucks, we can drill there. 60 bucks, we can drill there. 20, we can drill there. And that's the way, you know, because of big data. I'm very curious to see when all these different big data planets align together. And it seems like right now, with the introduction of uh, teleconferencing and Zooms, and even that part of the big data is all coming together too. So it's going to be an interesting industry in 2021. We're in 21 next year, right? We're still in 2020? Okay. Yeah, I don't even know anymore. I haven't looked at a calendar in months, man. Ever since the coronavirus took over, I was like, okay, we're going to get a new calendar soon anyways. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. Well, some people have joked, you know, you got BC, AD, and then PC post-corona or after corona. <laughs> was it was going to be, you know, you know, because it used to be after Google. Uh, AG was going to be the new one. So, um, yeah, it's just, it almost feels like though, there there is that big of a change that's happening. Like we're going to just be doing everything differently and big data is going to have a lot to do with that, including, you know, what people don't talk about very often, which is the offshore wells. When you take a look at the regulations that have been relaxed over the last couple of years on offshore oil wells, I mean, that's where a lot of the stuff's going to come from too. And then it's out of sight, out of mind. Then the climate well, activists, they don't get to see it, you know. Um, yeah. and anyway, but uh, just I, I thought about big data, and I didn't know how integrated your big data was in your company or how much you follow that, but that is something that's really not talked about very much when it comes to the oil and gas world. Then you got the whole Bitcoin cryptocurrency part of it chiming in too. So that's what I mean. You got so many different technologies and big data intersecting 
And I think when this new industry kind of gets rolled out, so much of that's going to be integrated in, including artificial intelligence. You know, honestly, there's some great, uh, great things from crypto that can be used from a, from a blockchain perspective. Um, and I don't want to get into that too much, but kind of highlighting what you're calling big data. I, I just always feel, um, you know, ever since the 90s, right, this has always been a thing. Um, you know, I, I feel that it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a chameleon that has changed colors, but has been the same tooling and same type of uh, systems, but just kind of with different names over the years. Um, you know, I think a lot of it now they call it AI and they call it, you know, different things from, from an oil and gas perspective. Um, yeah, this stuff is all used, uh, you know, 3D seismics are used. I mean, it, it's basically calculation of data uh, of, of all of the subsurface areas. And that's what kind of determines where you're going to find uh, your, your well and how you're going to drill it the right way to be able to get into uh, the right proven reserves. Um, and we've got lots of different systems to be able to provide that information, um, you know, for our for our work. And obviously, most of what we do is all onshore. Uh, but you brought up a good point with respect to offshore wells. Um, I believe the technology there really is far advanced and far, far, you know, uh, more complicated than the technology it takes to get a man on the moon. Um, you know, I, I, genuinely speaking, you know, to be able to go down, you know, whatever, 5,000, 10,000 feet of water, and then from there to be able to drill down into the ground, and then from there to be able to hit the right reserve uh, reservoir in, in the, the, the subsurface areas under the, under the subsea is very incredible. Um, and, you know, I think, it's definitely an area that requires a lot of investment, but I haven't really seen much changes uh, from the Chevron shells of the world that are that are out there doing work out there. They're continuing to do a lot of this work just because, um, you know, they they obviously see and realize that long term wise, this is going to be needed uh, to be able to support the infrastructure of, of the world. Hey, I wanted to ask you about President Trump down in the Permian. Uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have been a part of a couple of Trump events. I've been in the press room with him, so I was literally less than three feet away from him. Extremely charismatic and mesmerizing uh, gentleman. Um, and I was, honestly, he's like bigger than life. And um, I don't know if you had a chance to go. Don't know if you had a chance to catch any of the news, talk to anybody, et cetera. But uh Talk to me a little bit about President Trump down uh, Permian and and what uh, what you've been hearing and what's been going on down there. You know, you know, it, it's funny that you bring that up, Jason. My uh, one of my good friends, uh, he, he's my best friend from from high school. His name is Asa Cash, right? He, um, whenever there's any sort of news on oil and gas, he reaches out to me and pings me and lets me know what's going on. And he pinged me on Wednesday telling me about, hey, um, our president has been talking about uh, all these positives and um, all the things that are going on in the Permian Basin. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's really interesting. So I started reading some of the articles around it. Uh, you know, it's, it's really nice to see the positivity uh, from President Trump around our energy dominance in America, uh, of, you know, for, for from a from a rest of a world standpoint. Um, I think it's it's great to be able to um, know that we're in the right direction. And, you know, from our direct 
roles, um, you know, from Swan Energy perspective, you know, we're doing this day in and day out. And it, it's great to be able to see the support from the president uh, around this topic and, and actually coming down to the Permian Basin, you know, seeing the folks and giving them some positive energy. Um, I think it's it's really good for the industry and, uh, you know, just just the economy as a whole right now. Hey, before I let you go, I'm looking at the clock here and we've gone over 20 minutes. So just kind of, you know, appreciate the time that you uh, have today, letting us know what's going on out there. Because I love the fact that you guys are so diversified, not only you in trucking, you're in gold, you're in natural gas, all kinds of different things. So you got your uh, fingers in a lot of pies and pulse in a lot of areas. But we talked about Chevron a little bit and, you know, started off with the layoffs and a few other things. I did see a headline, and I haven't read the entire article. I've just read the first couple paragraphs that they're they're going to get into more renewable energy now, or 500 megas of uh, renewable energy. I thought the timing was a little peculiar. That. A little peculiar coming off of. Uh, I just blasted them this morning. All on, these losses and everything like that. Well, it's a good it, way to cover that up, right? Yeah, my, my, my thing is, you know, in the past, a lot of those layoffs would have been over, you know, two to four years. But now in today's climate and current mad rush and uh, everything, it was like immediate or, you know, very quickly. So this just seems like a little little, little interesting timing. So did you uh, catch that? Yeah, it seems, uh, like you said, it definitely is peculiar to, to see something like this happening right now. But, you know, I think, um, you know, they're they're definitely going in the same direction as what Exxon did back in 2018 um, to, to get into the, the wind and solar um, area. I think they also did something like that where it was a 500 megatons of um, renewable energy from from those couple of sources. And, you know, when you've got, um, you know, these losses and layoffs and things of that nature, you got to be able to have some positives to balance things out. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they've kind of brought a lot of these things to the attention in, in the media right now to kind of lay off of some of the other items that are going on. Uh, but I, I, I'm always up for renewables. Um, you know, we've been looking into a uh, company from um, South America, I believe, uh, that's been working on converting plastics to uh, oil and gas. So they've got some sort of proprietary system to be able to convert it back over to where you can make um, gasoline and and diesel into a renewable type of um, type of resource. And I, you know, like I said, I think there's lots of different areas there that um, you know it's good to be able to look into renewables. Um, and you know, if if the deals make sense, we might be interested in, in working with. Uh, uh, and, and partnering with this company. But, you know, if it doesn't, we'll look at some other avenues. But it's always great to be able to see uh, renewables and ways to be able to better utilize our, our natural resources. Yeah, the one thing that I, I wish that some people like myself, I guess, would get in the habit of doing is I, I always try to remind people, you know, when penicillin came around, the magic amulet guy was put out of business. So up until penicillin, everybody loved the magic amulet guy. Well, times change. And, you know, when I, when I saw that, the first thing I thought of is, wow, there's another example of a company investing in infrastructure over people. And then that's just the cynical side of me. That's, it, it's more about just a, a change and a transition of a social movement and that sort of thing. 
Um, so there, there's your existentialism, your good versus evil. You're trying to be positive and negative at the same time because, you know, there, life is a double-edged sword. And sometimes it's not all, all you know, puppies and kittens. And sometimes you got to, you know, slither with the snakes, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah, know. definitely. I think, I think one of the things that I, you know, I always kind of bring up around that too is, you know, it, it just depends on, you know, how large your pie is and what portion of it, uh, the energy comes from different portions, different types of uh, sources. And in a smaller pie, you probably have a lot more oil and gas in it. Uh, but if that pie gets much larger, uh, the oil and gas percentage goes down. But in reality, the amount of it, I feel, still goes up because I feel as we kind of move forward in time, you know, when countries like, or excuse me, when continents like Africa come online, can you imagine the actual burden rate to energy that you're going to have um, to be able to bring forward uh, a whole continent and the energy that's going to be required? So you're going to need all the renewables that you can, all the oil and gas that you can, and anything else you can you can be able to utilize to be able to make it efficient. And that's a great point. I mean, you've got China developing a middle class big time. You got India developing a middle class big time. You have Africa developing a class. They're just they're just like you said coming online and that that's actually kind of a true statement where there's a there, there's a lot more so the, the the more diverse that these companies are getting, the more it's all the above, not eliminating because keep in mind a lot of the coal that gets shipped over to China and India. They still burn it. It just gets shipped somewhere else. That's all. It's, it's all utilized at the end of the day. And, you know, with, with Africa, it's, it's really, in a sense, it's a paradigm shift in how things are going to be done. You know, I think that's really the key thing. And in a sense, even the China and India part of it, it's the same type of deal where you're right, you're creating something that was never there before. And you need that infrastructure to be able to maintain and manage that. And, you know, honestly, and you need to, you need to be able to have that energy to be able to support it. 